0: best way to look at it is to think about that we all carry around a stress backpack and it's just that some of us have a different capacity so like some might be carrying like a 20 litre backpack and others might be carrying like a 60 litre backpack Mm -hmm. and so you can just kind of like fit more stress in them and some people also you know you might go into that exercise already having a pretty full backpack which you might have like a high intensity or high stress job you might be like a full-on social life or maybe you've got like a young family or parents who other family members you're looking after or you have like you know quite significant financial commitments that you're struggling to meet like there's so many reasons why your backpack might already be full and then you go and add really high intensity exercise and therefore that's when it like overflows. Hi I'm Claire Goodwin and this is the PCOS Nutritionist Podcast. I have PCOS too and I know how hard it can be to get the help you need. So I bring together my expertise as a registered nutritionist and exercise scientist together with other experts I trust and people with real life lived experience of PCOS to help you get the information you need to make a real difference to your symptoms. I'm super excited to announce the release of our new PCOS management app, Ovi. As someone who has PCOS, I saw firsthand how much hyper-personalized tweaks to my lifestyle had a dramatic impact on solving my PCOS symptoms. As a registered nutritionist and exercise scientist i saw the same effect for many of my patients but i also saw that only seeing me once a month or even every few weeks just didn't work for most people changing what we eat how we move and sometimes the very essence of who we are like being a perfectionist is really tricky and in order to see real change we need constant support and reinforcement and we also need tools like recipes workouts and cheat sheets right in our pocket So when we're in the midst of standing in the supermarket aisle, we know what to choose to help support our changes. My PCOS protocol group program was an amazing start in helping to achieve this, but I knew we could do way better. I knew that we could get even more personalized, convenient and provide an elevated user experience for you. So this is why I created Ovi, to give you your personalized PCOS pathway that's based off your symptoms and your goals right in your pocket so that you can access it at any time. And not just created by me, but by an incredible team of nutritionists, psychologists, physiotherapists, exercise physiologists and more. So head over to our website, ov.io, that's ovie.io, and take the questionnaire. It's completely free and you'll find out what's driving your PCOS, or what I've formally referred to as your PCOS root cause. I can't wait for you to be part of the O-V community. So today we're talking about being an athlete or training with a purpose and also having PCOS and how to manage the both of those because often it can seem like quite conflicting advice um, especially if you're like an endurance athlete and it can seem quite hard to achieve the goal that you've got while also improving PCOS symptoms so Annabelle are you going to talk to me today because you've got PCOS and some quite specific exercise yeah. goals right?
1: Yeah so... I'm training for a half marathon at the moment, but I've always been very, I've always had so much energy and I did CrossFit for seven years. And now once I stopped CrossFit, I was kinda like, oh, gotta put my energy somewhere else. So I started running and now I'm training for a half marathon with the potential of doing a full marathon at the end of this year. So they're pretty, it's pretty intense Training. I mean, I'm like doing up to 40, 45 Ks a week running, but yeah, quite di- quite different from my CrossFit as well, but always like, yeah, super qu- high intensity. So I'm really interested in how you can like manage, like have an effective training program whilst also managing your PCOS. Mm. Yeah. So with with my PCOS, I know that one of my drivers definitely is stress. So like sometimes when I'm doing this really high intensity training, I'm kind of like, oh God, should I be doing this? I definitely feel like it does kind of affect my sleep, which has been quite an issue for me. But yeah, learning how to do this tr- higher intensity training that I'm like working towards this goal, but also like, effectively managing my PCOS so that's something I'm really interested to learn a bit more about so why why is intense training not great for those of us with PCOS?
0: Yeah so it's, it's really only for those where stress is a driver right? mm-hmm. if, if that's not a driver for you then then you can get away with a lot more high intensity mm-hmm. exercise without it affecting you and actually it can be you know in and in like moderate amounts it can be really helpful for some people especially for helping our insulin function better but when it's like when you've already got those high stress hormones doing a lot of high intensity exercise is going to increase those stress hormones even more and that therefore can exacerbate that problem so when this becomes quite an issue is actually more on the other side of that where you might have had like high stress hormones for a long period of time and then and then you're in what's called the low low stress hormone phase it used to be called adrenal fatigue and then they were like oh that's not a very good term for it but this is what like it, what it feels like is that you might really struggle to get out of bed in the morning have like no energy like not feel alert or awake until kind of late morning and then may have like a bit of energy but then that kind of comes down then you're tired again in the evening that kind of constant feeling like you're just Walking through mud, and it's a—that's where your stressful minds just aren't producing that cortisol to wake you up and feel like refreshed, which is part of their job and what they're really helpful for. So if we've under a long, a lot of stress for a long time, that's what it can lead to. And it, I think probably a lot of people will think about that as like burnout, yeah. and that's you know like it's not a good feeling when. But if you were... So that's one of the problems. If we do that for a long period of time, that's what it can lead to. And so we kind of have to think about it as like when we're in this phase of like maybe having those higher stress hormones, we're sort of, we're like on borrowed time to that. Like if we... It can feel okay at the moment, apart from maybe affecting our sleep. but if we do it for too long then we're going to like really feel the ramifications and that can be, once it gets to that level it can be, speaking from experience, so hard to get out of, like once you're there there's virtually nothing, you, you have to like stop all high intensity exercise for about six months, focus mainly on kind of like walking and strength activity, Even up to a year, I probably didn't really, wasn't really able to get back to doing anything higher intensity for, uh, like, maybe even 18 months. Mm. I was getting really sick. Like, I had shingles three times in a year when I was in my late 20s. Like, really, my immune system was really suffering. So, that's, like, once you get to that phase, like, it's yeah it's not easy to get out of and it can really and that can then really affect you but you, you virtually can't have any exercise goals then because you're just in that recovery state so it's sort of like that we want to prevent getting there but also in the meantime we want to help support your PCOS symptoms so if you've got you know like irregular cycles or acne or hirsutism and you've got this high testosterone then what's happening is when we're producing stress hormones the same place we produce stress hormones from which is the adrenal gland that sits above the kidney that also is producing a TED's brother called DHEAS, and that can then turn, turn into testosterone or DHT, which is the really potent form of testosterone, which can then cause those symptoms, right? So, if we're producing a lot of that, then yeah, you're probably gonna see that in PCOS symptoms. So, I think the, like that's kind of the, the, the main thing when it comes to PCOS symptoms. And then the other thing can be that we also see the symptoms of those high stress hormones, like poor sleep or like not being able to get sleep or waking up in the middle of the night and that can just affect our day right Mm. like we were just our daily life where we're Mm. not feeling so good we wake up even though we've gone to bed at a good time we wake up feeling exhausted because we've been awake for three hours in the middle of the night like it's just it's just frustrating right
1: yeah yeah that's definitely what I experience when I used to do crossfit I used to get super super fatigued during the day like literally would just be sitting at my desk head bopping down and i'd be like oh my god i'm falling asleep again but actually now that i'm running i don't get that as much i like feel quite awake during the day but then i get this these hours in the night where i'm like waking up so can like different types of high intensity exercise like weights versus like uh more endurance sports,
0: cause that affect you differently? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think that with something like running, like, unless you're, you know, like, if you're doing a fast 5K or something like mm-hmm. that, yes, it is high intensity, but not the same kind of high intensity as, like, an all-out ward in CrossFit, where you're, like, literally pedal to the middle for that full, like, some of those wards were, like, 10 to 15 minutes. and or yeah, like, longer. Yeah, yeah. Or longer. Like, there's 20 horrible, like, 25-minute yeah. marathon ones, and, like you're literally so you know like going so hard so fatigued whereas like sometimes even a fast 5k yeah you're going at a good clip but it's not an all-out sprint for 5k and so it is a sort of slightly different high intensity and that's a thing I think you know like you kind of got to gauge that of your own like intensity level like if you think back to that now like those the crossfit kind of like wards, like on a scale of 1 to 10 in intensity, where do you think they would have been for you? Oh, yeah, like, up near 10. And where do you think your, like, fast 5Ks are?
1: Probably, like, I don't know, maybe 7. Yeah. Because because I find them quite relaxing as well. Yeah. So there's, like, a, it's a bit of a balance.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, like, the you know you're using you know in, in like a crossfit wide, you're using so many more muscles you're often using smaller muscles like your like your arm muscles and things which fatigue a lot easier whereas in running you're using a lot of your larger muscles you're using your quads and your hamstrings and your glutes and your core whereas you're not using a lot of those smaller muscles like your arm muscles yeah. so that is yeah there's definitely differences in terms of type of exercise and and that but I think the main thing is probably that perceived intensity is probably the most important for like how long your stress hormone is going to be um, up for and if you're again some people can do crossfit for years and years and not experience that and I think the best way to look at it is to think about that we all carry around a stress backpack and It's just that some of us have a different capacity. So like some might be carrying like a 20 litre backpack and others might be carrying like a 60 litre backpack. Mm. And so you can just kind of like fit more stress in them. And some people also, you know, you might go into that exercise already having a pretty full backpack, which you might have like a high intensity or high stress job. You might be like a full on social life or maybe you have got like a young family or Parents who other family members who you're looking after, or you have like you know quite significant financial commitments that you're struggling to meet. Like, there's so many reasons why your backpack might already be full, and then you go and add really high intensity exercise, and therefore that's when it like overflows. Yeah. For someone else who might be a for athlete for the last 10 years, that's their job. Like, yeah. literally, their job is to train and recover, and that's like they're getting paid for it, so it takes away the, like, the work thing they might not have a young family they might like they might really focus on that recovery and sleep and so they're literally like training and then going home and sleeping and so you kind of can't compare it so it's just about like for you at the end of like the seven years of that crossfit is like one of the reasons why you switched because it was because of how you were feeling that you were like i'm not
1: feeling great during the day after i've like done this
0: or was was that part of the reason why you stopped doing it yeah
1: kind of and like just injury. yeah to be honest like what? But
0: that's also like injuries can be another sign that your stress hormones aren't like right and you're not recovering well. Like, that is basically there's like when stress hormones are, especially when they're kind of on the other side and that like really fatigued side, which sounds like you probably were if you're really fatigued during the whole day. Like, I always, one of my key things that I ask patients about to determine if they can tolerate the exercise they're doing is do you recover? Do you feel more energized from exercise? 15 minutes after you've completed that exercise or do you feel still feel tired or not energized Mm. and if the answer is Not energized tired, then I'm like you're not recovering from that. Like it's probably too much for you and Along with other things like yes every now and again You can have a really intense cut, and yeah, it does take you more than 15 minutes But like even if it's 30 minutes you should still feel more energized after that majority of Mm. the time and so and then when I ask questions around about like sleep and energy through the day and then I can get a really good picture about maybe what these stressful ones are doing and then we can be really specific about like okay this is not like what you're doing at the moment is not actually going to get you to achieve your goal because if your goal is like you know a half marathon or marathon and you're feeling exhausted you're then going to end up getting injured and then you're not actually going to improve your fitness like the whole point of training is to improve your fitness so you can meet that goal right and if you're if your stress hormones are too high you're not going to actually get any fitness improvements and you are going to get you're Mm. more likely to get injured so it's like well what you're doing you might think that you need to do that but actually the whole point of training is to get fitter and you're not going to get fitter Mm. so let's actually figure out a way that we can help you meet that goal which in some instances may be taking like three months of just like backing back and like f- focusing on strength and stuff and we can we can do that it might be that not now it might be like okay we just need to get through this last race of the season and then the off season that's what we do yeah. so we can really like look at what the goal is and and this is my personal experience as being like an elite athlete previously I totally get that and yeah. like that's often the cases that you just like I just had to get through this last world cup yeah. or this last like and then I can focus on that but for someone else if it's like or you've already ent- entered and paid for flights to go to Sydney and things like that so you're not going to do it then but it's like okay well then like once we finish that then we're going to really take a step back mm-hmm. so you can still like in most instances though it's still like we can still do some of that high intensity but it might not be every day and this is where it can really help with actually working with um, sometimes a coach or someone who's got a my background is also exercise physiology so I understand this as well but you know if you're going out and doing high intensity every single day again you're not actually going to improve fitness because your body actually is not going to recover and when when we it's it's actually when we rest that we actually get fitness improvements because Mm -hmm. our body has the ability to grow new red blood cells grow new muscle fibers whereas if it's constantly under like under that um, of pressure of high-intensity exercise, and it's not going to get that recovery time. Yeah. So, some working with someone, and some often I will like actually ask patients like what their goal is, and then we can actually find a way better outcome to achieve what they want to achieve in their fitness goal and also improve their peacevere symptoms. So it's not doesn't always have to be one or the other. It can it mostly is just about actually being more efficient and effective with training.
1: Mm, yeah. And actually since I've started doing my like half marathon plan, which consists of like two easy runs and then a long run at like whatever pace you want. And then one
0: yes interval
1: run. So it's literally one a week. And I think since I've actually started that the past four weeks my sleep's actually been better because yeah. Before that, I was kind of just going for a run and being like, yeah, hard out, go for it for as long as I can do it at this pace. And now I'm like, oh, I actually have to do like these 6K slow runs instead to get better. So yeah, I guess it's kind of like just peeling back a bit, but it's hard. It's like, if that's just kind of who you are as a person, like, I feel like I have so much energy, like, it's hard to like, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and that's what cortisol makes us feel. It gives us that kind of like, you know, like not necessarily nervous energy, but that sort of adrenaline. Like Mm -hmm. it does feel like that. And you do feel like you want to burn that off. But it is, and also too, when you're, when you've kind of almost been conditioned in every other aspect of your life to think, well, if like, if I go for a run, the faster that I go, the harder that I go, the better that I'll get. But actually Mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. Like I... Hindsight is a wonderful thing, but if I could go back and coach my 16-year-old self, like, this is what I would, because my my coach would set me up with a long run, like, three-hour run, and I'd be like, oh, well, if, like, and he'd be like, look, you really need to do it at a pace that you could still hold a conversation. I was, like, lived rurally, so I was always training by myself, so I wasn't having conversations (laughs) with anyone, but... I just thought well if that's the case then I like if I can do it faster then that's gonna be even better but that's not the case at all actually we need that it's called zone Mm 2 but we actually need that our heart rate to stay below a certain level in order to get those aerobic fitness gains Mm -hmm. so faster is not actually better when we especially when we're trying to train that aerobic system and that's actually how we get fitter is by like staying within that heart rate zone And allowing our body to kind of like improve fitness Mm -hmm. if you're interested in that you should look up something called the MAF test M-A-F Phil Maffetone he explains it really well there about why that zone 2 training is really important for improving like cardiovascular fitness and how you can actually test whether you're getting fitter and this is like where he get you to do like a 5k run the same route you have to keep your heart rate below a certain level and you do that same like every month and just see the like see the improvements after you've been doing that a couple of times training like to that heart rate a couple of times a week so yeah that's kind of what we'll end up doing is doing like you know like one session and you're doing like and then we keep it short sharp you're doing really high intensity it might even be for four minutes and we do 30 seconds or 20 seconds sprint like literally as hard as possible and then 40 seconds rest and by the end of four to six minutes you're like your, your anaerobic system has been worked very hard like actually probably much harder than doing like 20 minutes of like longer intervals and so that's what we'll often do as well someone's stress hormones is really struggling is we'll just shorten it Mm -hmm. but make it more intense and then and then always test their recovery so like are you recovering well after this no okay cool let's shorten it and see how we go and if someone we're starting back after a period of that real kind of a low low stress hormone phase that quote-unquote adrenal fatigue then we would do i'd do that i'd like getting them to do strength activity and then at the end of their strength activity I'd get them to do like, okay let's start with like a four minute finisher where you do Mm -hmm. 20 seconds on hard 40 seconds off, it would be like sprints on the rowing machine or on the treadmill or on the bike or something Mm -hmm. like that and then test how the recovery is and then if that's good then great we'll do that for a month or so and then we might be able to move up a little bit more Mm -hmm. so yeah we can still do it, it's just about that, that person and kind of where they're at
1: so if someone is working towards a fitness event or athletic event, but they've also got a specific PCOS goal, like volatility or or weight loss, then how could they achieve both of those things?
0: Yeah, this would be really depending on, on them and and the Circumstances, it may not be possible to achieve both those at the same time. And I think that's something important for people to realise is that sometimes you do have to make that choice about which one's important to you mm-hmm. at that very point in time. Like, I remember my coach saying to me, I was in my, like, fourth year at university, I was doing my honors degree in exercise science it was like our thesis year and with the degree that i did it was like you did a full thesis as even in, as an honor so we did it was a two years honors honor program so it was quite intense it was it was kind of more similar to a master's program and i was also training for world championships and he was like my goal was was like a top five place at world champs and and he was like clear you only have to achieve one either first class honors or top five place like what one do you want and i was like both he was like you do you he was like Like, whatever you do you i'm telling you now and i was kind of off the mindset like whatever i'll show you i will be able to achieve both he knew so has so much experience he's a incredible coach john hallamans and he had just seen it way too often and and knew exactly and knew me and knew exactly that i wouldn't kind of do things by half and so i kind of had to make that decision but i i really struggled with that like as a kind of very driven personality that i did want to to achieve both those things i, I probably didn't have the maturity to make that decision i probably still don't have the maturity to be fair like i still very much like have a a I don't know if it's my maturity, but more it's way too optimistic that I think that I can always yeah. achieve all those things at the same time, yeah. or maybe I just can't see a way through where I wouldn't do, wouldn't be able to achieve those things. Like I just couldn't see, I couldn't see a world for myself where I didn't get first class honours. Like I really wanted to keep the option of going through straight through and doing my PhD. I Didn't want to have to go and do my masters. I want to do straight through and do my PhD if I wanted to, and so I wanted to have that option, and I couldn't like. So I was like, well, no, there is no other way I have to do both. But what ended up happening was that I ended up getting sick the week before World Champs and absolutely bombing. And so I trained all this year, sacrificed so much in terms of not just like time and energy and social stuff, at, you know, at university and money to like get there from New Zealand to Europe to like live there for a month and train and stuff all to not achieve what I wanted to achieve. And so... It was a really good learning for me that you know you really sometimes can't achieve everything at once and you do have to make some like pick and choose what the most important thing is and so sometimes i would say that the same thing for patients is that especially for something where i can see that what they're doing isn't necessarily lining up with their goal so if it's like fertility and i can see through their cycle like they're not ovulating and i can see that they've got lots of symptoms of their stressful hormones not working properly and we even go and do some testing that definitely proves that i would i, I would have to say that i'm like look I, I i think you can you can you can definitely achieve the fitness goal but you probably won't be able to also ovulate regularly while you're doing that and so what's more important to you is it more important to conceive earlier or is it more important to achieve that fitness goal and then we can kind of work on the fertility goal um and I think that's really important to to understand sometimes it is like sometimes like when um it comes to like acne or hirsutism or even it is ovulation we can achieve that by we just as i said before like maybe adapt their training and don't do quite as much high intensity and we adapt what they're eating especially if they've got some insulin issues as well to achieve that we can certainly get them close to it but it might not be able to be you know, if we're still seeing that ovulation isn't really regular, and like, and they're still getting symptoms of high stress hormones, then I might have to say to them, "Hey, look, I just don't think that we can achieve these two things at this very point in time." Yeah. So we have to make a call about that. Same thing with weight. Like, everyone thinks, "Well, of course you can do that when it comes to like loss," but no, actually, sometimes, like, a lot of the time, I do see that what we eat is more important when it comes to weight loss. Is that we can't really, especially if we need to be in like a 20% like calorie deficit in order to lose weight. if they've got really high training demands and we're really trying to do things like I don't know grow muscle mass then it isn't possible to lose weight and grow muscle mass at the same time. Very 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 hard because we have to eat in a surplus in order for our body to have energy to grow new muscle fibers. Mm. So there's a few things where again you might think that it's simple and like would make sense that you could lose weight and train for a specific fitness goal but sometimes it's not and so again i would need to to say okay what we could do is we could get leaner but we can't necessarily grow more muscle mass or if you're training especially if you're training for an endurance event again everyone thinks that that would be really easy to lose weight when you're training for endurance but i think for a lot of people it's actually not because their training is requiring them to to like to actually utilize well, you know to eat a lot because yeah. they're really feeling like that and so it's actually really hard for them to have the energy and the motivation to go and train when they're a bit hungry and yeah. so again yeah. it can be like much easier when you're not expecting your body to go and do that high intensity rep session in the middle of the week when you're you know like when you're actually in kind of a weight loss phase
1: yeah and I think that's interesting as well like the nutrition side of training when you've got PCOS so like for example if you go on Instagram and see someone's reel about their breakfast before they go for a run it's typically a bagel or something like that so how could someone with PCOS because I mean a lot of training starts like early in the morning as well so how could someone with PCOS adapt their diet to like help with their training
0: yeah so yeah you're right a lot of training especially for endurance activity like focuses on like quite high carbohydrate diet so that's where we generally have to make a a call about two things one is depending on the person actually a really low carbohydrate diet ketogenic diet can be helpful for some people some like performance sports and depending on that person that might be the right thing i don't think it's very realistic for most people to do that for a long period of time for like years and years but if it was a really specific, long endurance, like an ultra-marathon endurance event, we might make the call that actually a really low carbohydrate diet for them is actually gonna help with their performance over that because they're utilizing body fat and fat stores as opposed to utilizing carbohydrate for your training, which is you you can only, when you're using carbohydrate, you there's a finite resource, and it's literally what's in your liver and what's in your muscles that you can use. And then after that's gone, which you, usually lasts about 20 to 40 minutes after that's gone then you have to replace it and if you're doing an unassisted ultra event you either have to carry everything all of the like gels snacks you're gonna like refuel your carbohydrate with um you have to you have to carry that with you and so for a lot of people, actually, performance-wise, they might decide to go like really low-carbohydrate, ketogenic, so that they're utilizing body fat, which is basically an unlimited source. Mm-hmm. So we can actually compete that complete that event with very little like extra eating mm-hmm. during that event. So that that's some things that like, and a lot of people, a lot of athletes do, endurance athletes do really well on that, but some mm-hmm. don't. Some really, really don't, and and it can take a while. So it can take. You really want to be at, like get into that way of eating for probably like at least six months before you're competing to get your body used to that. It can take a long time to kind of switch over from your body being used to using carbohydrate to now using body fat as a as a store. But for some people, it works really well and it's it's helpful. But it, it just means that outside of that training, it can be really hard to live like this. You know, it's much harder to like. Like a service station, and find something to eat that like is really low carbohydrate. So it does mean that they would have to be quite serious about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's it's not for a lot of people. I get that. Mm -hmm. So for those where then then it's like okay, if you are doing exercise, you are doing like an endurance event, and you have got like insulin issues, which eighty percent of people with PCOS do, then actually actually it can be quite hard for people to like that's probably the other reason why some athletes might decide to do ketogenic if they are insulin resistant is because actually there's been studies that show that it can be quite hard for people with insulin resistance to utilize and store glycogen so that's they like much lower capacity for storing glycogen which means that like you won't be able to train for as long before burning through all that fuel and so therefore you'll hit the wall earlier Mm -hmm. and so that's another reason why they might go ketogenic but for majority of people it's just about we just adapt the time that they're because they've got less ability to actually utilize that carbohydrate we try and eat that around their training so if they are training in the morning that's fine we'll have the carbohydrate before they train but then we'll really focus on like like lots of proteins and fats and stuff like that after like at that other first big meal after training to try and a help with that recovery because protein after training is really important for recovery and then those other meals have kind of where they're not training is probably a lot more moderate carbohydrate intake Mm -hmm. Um, and also we might just change the form of that so instead of having those really quick acting like gels and sports drinks with training is keep them for like race day and then the training we have like more of the like slower acting not really slow acting carbohydrates because you don't want when you're training for a lot of people you don't want heaps of fiber in your gut because it can really upset your tummy but that's not quite as quick de- quick acting as those sugars and also definitely doesn't contain the high fructose corn syrup which is really damaging for the liver and for insulin resistance mm-hmm. and a lot of gels and stuff still do contain some high fructose corn syrup so that's not great. Mm-hmm. So yeah that's what I'd recommend is that we like focus more on like better carbs for training and then saving those like quick acting stuff for race day mm-hmm. or at least you know like you use them in training for a couple of times before race day to make sure they're not going to affect you too much but then Um, but yeah, not having them every day, which is what I was using. Like literally I'd get out of the pool in the morning and I would have like a 750ml of sports drink, like Powerade. And then probably another one, maybe one throughout the training session in the pool and then maybe another one in the shower afterwards. Like, so, you know, a heap of like really quick acting carbs. And then in the afternoon, if I was doing a long ride, it would like generally be like a gel or something like that. Yeah. Because if you're if you're burning through that muscle glycogen every like within like the first 45 minutes then basically you need to replenish that you need to be having some carb every 20 minutes after that and so if you're doing a two-hour ride like i need like three yeah yeah, three kind of snacks to kind of get me through without hitting the wall so especially when you're training twice a day that can be quite hard so that's where again for someone who's like super insulin resistant and they're not getting fitness gains and stuff like that and they're training twice a day yeah it can be really hard to meet both of those things and so we might again choose for a period of like six months or you know six months have an off season for them where we really focus on increasing like their muscle mass we can improve their insulin insulin sensitivity and Mm -hmm. and really work on that so that then they can tolerate that carbohydrate Mm -hmm. again and they can because you will basically once you're insulin resistant if it's not controlled well you will be finding that it's much harder to get the fitness improvements and much easier to like hit the wall during training and it's just like i so much harder so we might we might take a step back to take five steps forward
1: yeah yeah that's that's really interesting because like I feel like that is me now if I used to have something sugary like I used to have these intense cravings and if I had something sugary I would crash back down whereas now now i've got a stable diet Mm. i don't have those like really intense cravings big crashes so i don't know like when i train i actually do take gels but i don't because my diet's really stable i don't think they affect me like i don't get like a big crash after like my runs or anything so can like the diet really help with that
0: totally yeah like as i said you know you've got more that your insulin's a lot more stable like a lot more improved now and so therefore you're not going to have those low blood sugar episodes which is a lot a lot of athletes do if you've got like insulin resistance a lot of them you might get those really like hangry attacks or feel really kind of shaky jittery like if you haven't eaten for a couple of hours that's like a low blood sugar episode and it's really common in like the early stages of insulin resistance mm-hmm. especially for athletes and so if that's now better, then yes you will but i would say just look on your gels and make sure mm-hmm. that they don't contain any high fructose corn syrup that is a particular type of sugar that is really damaging for the liver and so it's it might not be affecting you now but it more like in the long term like making the insulin resistance worse over the long term yeah but i just do think as well though that like the really simple sugars like aren't great because they're still going to lead to a bit of a glucose spike and like the more of those so if we can kind of like get the energy in but without causing a really high spike then that's gonna be better for your long term health. And so mm. if you can find something that's like as I think the like the gels are so convenient, right? Yeah, like yeah they're like yeah, so yeah, convenient.
1: The they just slip in your yeah, vest and yeah. yeah.
0: But if you could find something else like those little kind of like bliss balls that may be made oh, from okay. like even if they've got some dates in them which are relatively high acting, but at least if they've got some like fats and some other things to really blunt that blood sugar like mm. spike. Then that's not going to be as damaging, like internally for your body, as having mm. like constant blood like, glucose spikes when you're getting like because a lot of those gels. How much carb do they contain? I can't remember. Fifty like 20, grams? Uh, The ones that I
1: have is
0: twenty five. Twenty five, yeah.
1: So it's basically like
0: doing half the oral glucose challenge every time you have one of those, mm. which is like you know, like that's a test that you would do to see how your insulin's going. It's quite a whack of sugar, and so. Yeah you're doing that and it's got like generally because they've got nothing else in them that they're yeah. just that sugar they've got no like other fibers or fats or proteins which is why they're great for racing yeah. because you don't want great those racing, things not great for you. <laughs> yeah great for racing not great for like general health so i would say as a rule i would generally say try to avoid them like all the time for training and um, mm. it's just like they're just like sweets yeah you know? and so but A bit, bit of an impact And so if you can have some Like a, even a little bit of fat When you're training with them It's going to blunt that But you're still going to get that carbohydrate To help with like replenishing energy
1: Yeah I'm sure there's some that do them With like peanut butter in them Yeah that could be well. good Yeah um, That's probably the reason why Because they realise that It's not I'm ideal just, Yeah like peanut butter jelly ones I think I've seen Oh, ah, interesting
0: yeah I'm so out of the loop with them now
1: <laughs> I'm just getting into the loop with them But So if you're running And then you Have one how, what would be the difference between like running and having a gel and then mm. like just sitting at home and like having a gel? Yeah, you definitely
0: like- would be utilizing that carbohydrate more because your muscles are going to use it immediately as opposed to you're at home sitting down, you'd eat that, you're, 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 they'd go into your bloodstream and then your, your body would be like, well, we're not using this, so insulin, you've got to go and store that in the muscles and liver later because we're doing like a run later and we're going to need to use it then. So then you're definitely going to, which may for some people result like like result in not so much of a like blood glucose spike. But if you are a bit insulin resistant, then it still it still might lead to a bit of a spike. Yeah. And so that's why I think that it's just a general like I think just general also general public health recommendations is that you don't want to be consuming like a heap of sugar, especially unnecessary like pure sugars. So. The more that you can find some other things that you that are convenient and that are easy and that you like to have while you're running, like mm. the better for long-term health.
1: Yeah. So you said bliss balls are a good one. Yeah, so I'm just thinking bliss balls. I actually
0: it was so funny. That a lot of people asked me what we used to have. Things I used to. I remember I was running a race, and I was like, it was like a quite a. It was quite an intense multi-sport race. And I came across this guy. And I was like, what do you got on the side of your like who's carrying like had two little bags on the side? It was like his belt, his like water belt. And I was like, What's in your bags? He's like, salted, buttered boiled potatoes on that side and licorice on this side. And I was like, that is probably the most extreme that I've ever heard. (laughs) But but yeah, like a lot of people peanut butter and jam sandwiches would be a really good one. Yeah a lot of people do, do something like that so you've got a bit of like some fats, some sugars and then you know like the bread you can not often use like a not a super grainy bread but like a, a yeah. grainy bread or like a roll again mm. can like stuff quite easily in like a vest or in your the back of your cycling shirt <laughs>
1: just imagining running mm. along with like a a sandwich. Bagel or sandwich or something, yeah. But it is really
0: like it's common, especially those long runs that you're doing. Like not, yeah. it's not so much going to be those fast five Ks, but like a long three hour run, yeah. You've got yeah. you've got a lot of time to like eat what you've got there, and it yeah. And sometimes like having something like being able to bite it and chew it and stuff is also better for like people that have get gastro symptoms when they're running as well. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah, bliss balls or any kind of like you can make kind of like raw slices or little bites yourself like little kind of like muesli bars what else like a lot of people like to use some like beef jerky because often jerky can be quite like can have a lot of like some sugars and stuff added to it but you've still got that protein of of that as well so like that little drinks like little like milk drinks like chocolate milk stuff especially if like some people really like that tends to be more like on like on the bike where you can carry it but even like in your running vest you might have one that's water and then one that's like more of a a, like a chocolate milk thing like you have like your bladder of water and then on your vest at the front the little bottles Mm -hmm. can be something else and then like is there anything that you've like that you I guess the main thing I ask people is like what do you like to eat like what what would you reach for not necessarily if you haven't done it before when you're running but like as a snack and then we can kind of maybe adapt something that's going to be easy to yeah I'm trying to think
1: of what I like snack on every day Trail mix is another one, you know? Trail mix would be good, yeah. yeah.
0: So it's got like your dried fruit, which is your carb, and then you're yeah. like, even some like dark chocolate or some nuts, which is like the fat part.
1: Yeah, I guess like bagel, peanut butter would be like something that I would snack on.
0: Yeah, bagels are quite good because it would hold its form. It doesn't get all like mushy, like whereas like a piece of, like a sandwich, like a bread sandwich might get quite mushed in your vest. Like, yeah. yuck, that would like yeah, yeah, turn yeah, me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like a bagel hold, would hold its like form pretty well.
1: yeah. Any like fruit? Yeah. Would you suggest fruits? Like? Totally.
0: Fruits are great. I would say just for like the, like, again, a lot of people love bananas. I know that you don't like bananas, oh. but that works really well for a lot of people, <laughs> especially to just shoved down the back of their like sucking top or in their vest. Yeah. Anything that holds its form quite well, like stone fruit, often holds its form quite well and is quite good. The It's just that it's probably, a lot of those fruits is probably maybe not quite enough carbohydrate, depending on what oh, your yeah. training is. Like, if you're really in, that's quite intense endurance training it's probably not for that 20 minute like so that's why having that plus like some dried fruit or something like that but at least it would be quite good fiber and things to stop that blood glucose spike but you might pair that with some yeah some dried fruit Mm -hmm. dried fruit is just generally going to be a lot more carbohydrate in a smaller size because we've we've taken all the water out of that out of that fruit Mm -hmm. yeah so, yeah, lots of lots of different things. I would probably start with, like, tend to be, like, what you like to eat as a as a snack and then try and find, like, a small form, easy form to carry that. But tend to be, like, I think for ease of use of grabbing it before you go for a run is, like, something that you bake ahead of time and keep in the freezer or fridge and then yeah. it's there, ready to go, and you just, you just grab it. I mean, even if you can start by – I always say to people it doesn't have to be perfect from the start, but, like, depending on the gels, like, slightly less often. Like, maybe it's, like, once or twice a week as opposed to every day. And – And then gradually that might, you know, get better and better as you find other things that you
1: like. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard about training around your cycle and like working with those phases that you might have some more energy, but how would that work for someone with PCOS who might have longer cycles or irregular cycles? Yeah. Yeah, How could we use that to our advantage?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And like, that's probably something we didn't start at the start with, but like having PCOS in general is a performance enhancing gain because we produce more testosterone which generally means that we can like run you know we can build more muscle mass we can get fitter so it's actually really good to utilize the power of having that extra testosterone so on one hand maybe this is why also this is not what you're asking now but just a side thought is that maybe you don't want to really suppress a lot of that testosterone with like yeah. drugs like Spine or the pill because you want to really harness that especially if you're in like a, a power sport but in terms of like training with your cycles what we mean by that is that uh, our cycle generally has two quite distinct it Has it has like technically two phases but we can think about it as like four phases so the first week when you have your period, actually your, your body is like producing estrogen, that's actually a time when your body is gonna get performance enhancing gains. So if you're, we often think about when you've got your period, that that's time when you want to rest, but actually that's not true physiologically. Physiologically, that's actually when you're primed to start to perform. For some people though, like you might be, you know, have a lot of pain or um, inflammation the first couple of days, that's fine, but it just means that you don't have to rest when you've got your period. So it's a bit of a misnomer. Then that second week, the week before you ovulate, that's where you're really going to get your best results in terms of like performance. So you're going to that's where you're going to be able to train you hardest and run your fastest, lift your heaviest. That's when you're going to get the real improvements around ovulation some people feel really great other people feel a bit flat but that's kind of after that week after is when you kind of more of a maintenance phase so you can you're not probably going to get as much as what you did that week before ovulation but you can still do pretty well and then the week before your period this is actually when you're going to be at your lowest really for training so this is probably where you want to focus on like more recovery and technique and those things and this is why when we go for a run it can be so hard because one week we might be able to like absolutely smash that 5k and feel amazing and then the next week we feel so flat we just feel awful and we're like what is going on like have i got really unfit since last week like you just play so many mind games with you but if you know where you are in your cycle it can be really helpful because you go ah i know why i'm just in my late luteal phase this is why this is happening, no worries, I'm actually not gonna take this hard today, I'm gonna just run this like gentle clip and enjoy the run as opposed to really trying to get a PB. But if you've got, so the same thing goes if you've got longer cycles, it's just that, so what happens if you've got longer cycles is that your body will just be trying to ovulate a few times before it's actually successful in doing that. So you're just in that phase of like, actually the week before your period for longer which can actually be good for a lot of people it means that you've got probably maybe you might get three or four weeks in that as opposed to just one week um, of being able to you know feel really good and get and performance improvements it's not always the case a lot of people certainly i think that when you get more of a regular 28 30 days you do tend to get better feeling that week before you ovulate and so it's not a reason why you should keep having a regular cycle because you just get more time in that pre-ovulation phase and therefore more time for pbs you do but it's kind of like say it's, it might be like 75% of what you could achieve or 70% of what you could achieve if it was like whereas like 100% if you had a more regular cycle so it's just that you would still have the same thing but you just got more time in that like in that pre-menstrual phase the one time when it doesn't work is when you're on hormonal birth control. You don't actually get any cycle when you're on hormonal birth control. Your hormones are just basically flatlined, so you don't get that really low phase. This is for most hormonal birth control. Some of them are phasic. Some of the combined pills are actually designed to give you different hormones at different times of your like the cycle that they're giving you, the fake cycle that they're giving you. But most pills are just like in one one set of hormones. For the entire time, and therefore, like there is no like cycle, and so you won't get that really low phase before your period, but you also won't get the really um, good performance enhancing phase before you ovulate, because when you're on hormonal birth control, you don't ovulate. Majority of hormonal birth controls, so there are a couple of like um, exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, you don't ovulate. And so, yeah, that's that is why now, but previously, it was quite commonly that if you were an athlete you'd get put on hormonal birth control so that you wouldn't get a period Mm. and that was thought to be a good thing because then it wouldn't muck up your like competition but actually now we're seeing like the opposite and actually seeing that when we have a cycle we are ovulating actually we can really utilize that for performance and create a training cycle around our hormonal cycle which actually leads to better performance than what just Turning those hormones off, and so a lot of athletes are now utilising that. Valerie Adams, Olympic champion shot putter, is one of those. And there's some pioneering research coming out of New Zealand around this, which is great to see because for so long, all the research has been done on like college age males or females in like premenopausal, sorry, postmenopausal females, where they just don't have these like hormones because it was seen from researchers to be so much easier to control that when you're trying to just control everything apart from that one variable that you're testing, Mm -hmm. female hormones were just too complex to like, because you'd have to have all your participants that are in the same like phase of their cycle, When it was just like, it is, it's it's hard, it's much harder to design trials around this, and so to get around that, they would just exclude those females and only go with postmenopausal females or like males.
1: Hmm, Interesting. Yeah, they're now actually like
0: because of that they're now actually having to what's the there's a protocol that they a lot of universities and, and researchers now have to sign up to that that say they're going to do you like equity within trials like the same oh, you know like yeah. women and and men in trials. Yeah. Yeah. But it's crazy that it has to come to that. But yeah. I understand it, right? Like when you are being judged on your research output and you're testing one variable like you're wanting to measure the difference between like strength training and high intensity interval training for weight loss then having to then factor in where someone is in their cycle yeah. and keep that to make sure you also keep within your budget for that trial and stuff like that it does make it so much harder and mm-hmm, so of course they're going mm-hmm. to just go actually so that's one option. variable yeah yep, yeah, yeah. Easily avoid.
1: yeah. No, that's so interesting that like we could actually use it to our advantage and get a bit more out of it
0: yeah and and also that we can use pcs to our advantage yeah like this is so many athletes so many of the best athletes in the world have pcs and Mm. yeah we should totally use it to to our advantage to to be the best athlete that we can be and so it might be a reason why we don't want to be on like a lot of those birth controls that do lower our testosterone or even things like spironolactone that lower that testosterone and that can sometimes be a fine balance between like managing your symptoms and getting that but if your goal is an athlete then actually you might want to deal with that symptom of acne to be the best athlete you can be yeah
1: yeah it's interesting isn't it because like I mean I feel like I have have always had all of this energy and it's probably just because reducing too much testosterone.
0: Yeah, 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 it might be. And that's good. It can be a really good thing. It can be a great thing for, like, being able to... And, you know, like, even if you're not an athlete, but you're not, not like, an athlete in terms of, like, an endurance athlete, but you're training for a purpose of, like, physique or bodybuilding, then, you know, the more muscle mass and bone Mm. mass we can develop when we're younger, the better Mm. our health is going to be in in later life as well, so... Yeah,
1: and do do you think that, like, will... Happen from an early stage because I always remember I've always been an athletic build, mm. so. Do you think that like happens from an early age if you've got PCOS you'll just start building like muscle mass?
0: It really for as far as I know only kind of post puberty. Oh, so okay. when we're when our bodies yeah when we're kind of producing more of those like estrogen progesterone and testosterone and the ratio between those. Mm. But I yeah, I don't know prior to that cuz I don't do any kind of pediatric stuff so yeah. I'm not, yeah. yeah, I'm not no, sure.
1: I mean more like after I was like 15 and had had Yeah, my baby, I felt like I started building muscle mass quite easily
0: yeah definitely it can definitely happen kind of post puberty and actually during those teenage years we do all people all females actually have a bit higher testosterone that's one of that's yeah. one of the like parts of puberty is that we actually need more testosterone to get through puberty we also get a bit insulin resistant during puberty as well so again it's a way that our body how it develops through puberty is by making us a little bit more insulin resistant so yep, yeah. yeah, so those things can definitely happen from a younger age mm-hmm so in conclusion i think that we can definitely in most cases we can definitely achieve what we want in terms of a performance goal and also improving our pcs symptoms but there might be some instances where those two are opposing but i and i would say in 90 percent of patients that i work with we can find a way around it but there is always those cases where you're like Yep. okay get through this next race but then we're going to have to take a bit of time off to really yeah. try and unpick or like take one step back but then to take five steps forward next season which is yeah. generally a far better outcome for most people but i think that there's also a lot of people that we didn't talk about this but might might have signed up for a fitness goal because they think it's going to help their goal like if it's like the goals like weight loss or help you know general kind of like health they might be like right i'm going to enter a half marathon to to give me something to work towards and yes while i think that sometimes that can be helpful in many cases that might not be working with that and so when we have this discussion i'm like ah okay i didn't really realize that okay yes that that's not actually that important to me to achieve that i'll do it because i've paid for it and i've signed up and everything but then after that we'll then work on the most optimal way to actually get me to where my goal is so i think that's important to also tell whoever you're working with as well like what you're really trying to achieve and 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 then you, you know, you're probably going to get to the best outcome for for both of those. Now, stand by for our disclaimer. The information contained in this podcast has been prepared for the purpose of providing information, including about the PCOS Nutritionist products and services, and is designed to support clients' overall wellness. It is not intended to provide medical advice or designed to rectify, treat, or cure any specific medical conditions or diseases. Nothing stated or shared in our podcast is intended to be and must not be taken to be medical advice. Please seek the advice of professionals as appropriate regarding the evaluation of any specific information, opinion, advice or content contained in our podcast.